how far we adults have retreated from childhood. Today, I'm very lucky to be talking to Dr. Paddy Madden. Paddy worked as a primary school teacher for three decades before becoming a lecturer. He presently works as a heritage in school specialist. He constructed the very first school wildlife garden in Ireland in 1984, on which his thrice printed book, Go Wild at School, is based. In 2010, he co-founded SEED, schoolearthed.ie, an organisation which seeks to promote school gardening on the island of Ireland. To date, SEED has organised six school garden conferences and has planned and constructed seven school gardens at the Garden Festival Bloom. In 2019, Des Murta and Paddy launched a new website, engagewithnature.ie. He lives in Kildare and owes his interest in nature to his parents and a primary school teacher in Lackle National School, Whitegate, County Clare. Welcome, Paddy. Thank you for coming on the Nature Magic podcast. Thank you, Mary, for inviting me. I am honoured to join such a, a distinguished crew. Well, you're very, very welcome. Would you like to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you became a nature lover? Well, I started uh, in, it started in a tree teacher school in Whitegate in East Clare back in the 50s. And uh, that's where I was introduced to nature first by a wonderful teacher, Mr. Haran. And he taught us in uh, fourth, fifth and sixth class. And what he did was his method was um, to get us to bring in plants and whatever we found on our way to school, to bring them in every day, leave them on a table in the classroom, which was the nature table. And then he might spend an hour talking about them. And all he had was a chart, a commercial chart, based on the seasons. And um, he asked us questions where we got the stuff. We told him, and that's how it, it worked. And every, it was daily. It was a daily encounter with nature. And it was based on the seasons. So we were very well tuned in to what was going on around us. And we all became nature lovers. And uh, he didn't have any learning outcomes, I'm sure. And he didn't write down big notes when it was all over. That's how we, we learned. It was uh, both didactic and uh, constructive, I suppose, in the sense that he did the teaching. And we also constructed our learning because we were the ones who brought in the stuff and observed it and told him where it came from. So it worked beautifully like that. We were a community of learners. We were all contributing. And he oftentimes, um, you know, he'd say, mm, I don't know what this is, I wonder. Uh, let's look at the chart and let's uh, figure it out. So that's the kind of learning. But that was my journey, uh, very simple and I think Nature education wasn't really done in schools at that time because we had a history before that of cultural nationalism where nature and science basically was, was taken out of the curriculum to make way for the learning of Irish 
and it wasn't until I think 1954 that it was uh, reintroduced again. But of course, by that stage, uh, a lot of, it wasn't examined in the primary search and it wasn't inspected. But it became a subject just to, unless a teacher had interest, it was never done. So that's what um, this, we were lucky to encounter uh, Mr. Pat Carden in that three teacher school. Yes, you were, you were very lucky. And anybody that's encountered you is very lucky as well. I was listening to the Inside Education podcast, which you spoke on recently, and I will put a link in the show notes. Um, it's very comprehensive. It, you go through so many things there. It's really worth a listen. Um, and one thing that really um, popped out to me was teaching the whole curriculum through nature. And you were speaking about you start by measuring the age of a tree. I love that story. Yeah, well, I, I honestly think that it, it, it has been um, shoehorned into science, but there's a moreness about nature that I don't think the curriculum planners of 1999 and the inspectors that inspected science in schools realized. There's the creativity associated with it. There's the well-being mental and physical. There's a spiritual uh, element to it, magical element to it as well uh, with children. There's a caring element. Children who, who learn to look after plants and animals, they, they, uh, they um, develop a caring attitude in life uh, to all things. Whereas if you, if you look closely at the, at the curriculum, it is very scientific in the approach, and that is what was what teachers were told. Use a scientific approach. Forget about the old the way it was done in the old curriculum before that, which was much looser and left to teachers to figure out. And they were given more power uh, to uh, implement it themselves. But this was. Um, uh, prescribed as, as scientific and used that approach, but that's fine. So you have to know why pollination occurs and the function of roots of plants and yes, all very important, but uh, it's the moreness that they forgot this day, as I say, and we're seeing it here in COVID, how, how nature is saving us. It's saving us uh, from, from uh, depression and um, helping us physically to be well and getting us out and about and even to meet someone on the walk at a social distance is wonderful and just to to engage with the natural world on a on a daily basis and see the changes um i've recorded it in a blog which i started on the website www.engagewithnature.ie started back in april and it's just what I observe here on the roads around my house here in Kildare, within the distance, just a, a few hundred metres away from the house. He at a crossroads, some days I go left, some days I go right with my dogs. And I just uh, record weekly uh, what I see. And uh, it's amazing. Someone told me one time, are you living in the burden? I said, no, I'm living here in Kildare. And, all you have to do is open your eyes and you'll see, you observe. I met a woman one day on the road and she said to me, 
um, she saw me looking in the ditch and she said, what are you looking at, Paddy? I see nothing. I said, look at this and look at that. Look at that leaf and look at that tree. Look at that flower. So Patty, I've walked this road for uh, over 30 years and I've never seen any of those things. And she says, um, God, she says, I, I, I'm, uh, it's a kind of a blindness, isn't it? I said, yeah, I said, you can be blind to, to nature if nobody has ever introduced it to you. And she, then she went to tell me about her school days that nobody ever uh, pointed out and got her out to notice nature. And as a result, she sees nothing on her walks. And I just felt that is very sad. And the many people in Ireland suffer from nature blindness, plant blindness, I think is the official name. But yeah, it is sad. It is very sad. I'm going to push a, a link to the blog. It sounds wonderful. And I was wondering if you had any special magical experience with children out in nature. Yeah, they love the magic, don't they? Uh, well, oftentimes when I'm with them in a wood, I work for the Heritage Council. I work as a heritage uh, in school specialist. But when you're in the wood, I'm always believing in, you know, identification skills are important and getting to know the plant and observing closely the plant. I'm a great fan of nature journaling by John Muir's Law. He wrote that wonderful book and getting children, one, to notice the plant or leaf and to talk out loud about what they see. For example, they could be looking at a, a sycamore leaf, for example, in the autumn, and they'd all say, well, I see black spots on it maybe, or I see that it's shaped like a star. But by saying it out loud, they, they internalize it. So they, then they're encouraged to ask questions to whoever's with them. Why are there black spots on the leaf? Why are the leaves turning brown? And then they use their imagination to say, well, what does it remind you of? So they out loud again, they say what it reminds them of. And it's magical what they come up with. I mean, I was looking at um, the seed or the seed or of a lime tree one day with the little wing on it, the little fruit with the wing. And um, I just said that, what does it remind you of? And one child said, that reminds me of a desert island. And sure enough, when you turned it one way, it did look like that generic picture of a desert island with a tree growing up the middle and coconuts um, hanging off it. And another said, turn the leaf another way. And it looks like a stork, which it does. Or a swan, they said, or a heron. And that was fantastic. And then you get them to document it. And just on page of their journal to draw the leaf. And you never tell them it's good or bad or indifferent because then they're, you know, they, they, get, they get all uptight. You just look at what they're doing. Say, everyone has a different view of the leaf. And I would just want to see what you see. And I say, the greatest artists, like you sometimes don't see what they're looking at, but they saw it. So 
you look and you write, draw a picture of the leaf and put in what you see and what it reminds you of and we'll write the name of it. I'm a great believer that children need hooks on which to carry, uh, hang the learning. And there's no point in just going out, which a lot of the nature is just going out and experiencing it. That's excellent and it's great to get them out. But they should come back with some knowledge about the world around them and a little bit about how it all works. That nature, and they produce beautiful annotated drawings, you know, and you, as I say, you don't ever say that's good, bad or indifferent. You just say, well, look at the way it does. Now you captured the, the fungus there beautifully. Uh, uh, you notice those little black spots, look at the way it's done. That's good, that was captured and you captured the colors there. And uh, yeah, and then, so I'm a great believer in, you know, you can have too much fun in games outside, in games activities, and that's fine. It gets children to love nature. Uh, David Sobel said, what's important is that ch children learn to bond with nature, to learn to love it before asking them to heal its wounds. And I believe in that, that you, you must get them, but you, you know, I, the, the um, objective can be just games sometimes and playing and they come in and you just wonder what they what they've acquired apart from the experiential learning. So yes, be, when I bring them on a nature walk, they will come back and they'll go home and tell their mothers what they learned and their fathers what they learned at on the walk. But I also bring in the magic as well of, uh, for example, I'd say to them, now I said, it's uh, uh, the next occupants of this wood or this place will be the fairies and they're going to come and they're going to make houses here tonight and then they'll have to knock them again in the morning because they don't want us to know that they're around. They just don't want any uh, anyone to come in and encroach in their territory. And I'd ask him, did you ever hear the story of the elves and the shoemaker and how they, the shoemaker and the elves made the uh, boots for the shoemaker to bring him back into prosperity again. And yes, they heard of it. I said, now what we'll do is uh, we'll make houses for the fairies. And I want to divide you up into groups of uh, four or five. And I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'll tell you what you can do, what you can use. See those leaves, you can use them. The moss, you can use them. The sticks, you can use them. In actual fact, I'm going to send you this group over to that place there and walk away and make your house for the fairies and yeah oh honest to god i mean when you go around afterwards and you'd say how far we adults have retreated from childhood because we wouldn't come up with the little paths they make and the little ornaments and the flowers and the lights and the houses and the the the, the rivers and the ponds around them wonderful stuff Real magic. Oh, that's beautiful, really. Um, do you have a favourite plant or animal, Paddy? I know it's hard to pick. My favourite animal is a woodlouse. It's not everyone likes woodlouse. Uh, you know, that's, I have a huge problem with uh, nature books because they do the nice, colourful animals, don't they? Like the ladybird and the rabbit and these things. And they're nice, but listen. What is the woodlouse there? It's walking away quietly. It's not 
a beautiful by any means if you look on the ladybird it's beautiful in color but it is beautiful in its own way are such a fantastic history they've been on the planet for millions and millions of years and descended from uh, one of the first uh, creatures found was the trilobite is one of the first creatures found in the fossil records <clears throat> so um that gives them this sense, but they, they're just, they're so important in the food chain for birds and for pygmy shrews and for centipedes. You can make these lovely food chains with them. And they're working so well for the environment. They're recycling all those leaves and recycling it back in quietly. They work away quietly. They're hide under logs and they, they, um, they, they're fantastic mothers, you know, they look after their little babies in a pouch, which you normal insects are not, they're not insects, of course, invertebrates don't do. And I just find them fantastic. I, 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 when I go around to schools and the heritage in schools, I bring my box of wood lice and I call them my pet wood lice. And of course they go home and said, we had this man in school today and he doesn't keep pet guinea pigs or anything, he keeps pet wood lice. Tell us about it. Well, he had this biscuit tin, you know, and in it were, um, was as damp soil and, and rotting leaves and some rotting log. And you know what he had in there too? He had some moss with them, believe it or not. And a, a little bit of mushroom, which they liked, a bit of a fungus. And he loved them. You could see the way he was talking to them, that he, he actually loved them. And they're easy to keep. All you do, need to do is just provide them with rotting leaves and maybe keep it a little bit damp every now and again because they hate to, to dry out their little gill stone bark. Did you know that they have gills? I mean, isn't it incredible that you have a creature out in the garden with gills? Now, if that's not strange, and of course, he told us that they, once upon a time, they left the sea one day about 60 million years ago, they said goodbye to their cousin, the lobster and the crab and the shrimp and the prawn. And off they went out onto the land. And the lobster said to them, don't go out there because you'll die. You, you know, you, you can't use your gills. And so did the crab. They all advised them not to go, but they said, no, we're going. And those woodlice were are very adventurous. So they went out into land and then they started oh, oh, we can't breathe. So one of them said, let's go under a log. And they went under a log, which was nice and damp. And the gills walked, and they've been there ever since. So they love that story. <laughs> oh, thank you for giving a voice for the wood lice. plant I know best is the lady smock, a cuckoo flower, which comes out in May. A time of great joy in nature, isn't it, when everything is blooming? and the birds are singing and all the activity and everything. But this wonderful uh, lilac flower, it, it, uh, you find it in damp places. And it is so important for the, the orange tip butterfly because it's uh, uh, the food plant of the caterpillars of the orange tip butterfly. And it relies on this and uh, hedge garlic uh, for its um, caterpillars. And there it is. And to see um, a, a damp meadow of them, a whole lot of them, a carpet of these lilac flowers 
I just think it, it reminds me of childhood and May altars and it reminds me of, you know, that, that would have been one of the flowers we would have collected and brought into uh, Mr. Harn for identification and he would have opened up his chart and showed us a wet habitat and said, listen, this is what you've brought in and on your way home from school today, look for more. So it was strange, wasn't it, to get um, homework, uh, just walking home from school. In those days, we didn't get a lift to school. We walked home two miles, walked back to school, and we had to do our homework on the way. He had another strange occupation, just going back to him, for, and I dig digress. He, he was a keen gardener himself, mm -hmm. that he was the best gardener in the village. And one of our tasks was to, uh, he knew of other gardeners that were nearly as good as him. So one of our tasks was, in, in the different townlands, was to look into maybe uh, Pat Kelly's garden and just see how high his spuds were. <laughs> onions, and, and report back in the morning. So he said to, come in the morning anyway, he said, well, uh, Paddy, did, or whatever, uh, did you, or Jared, my brother, or whoever is there, did you do your homework and did you look at uh, Pod, Pod Kelly's uh, uh, vegetables? Yes. Now, of course, we also had uh, someone looking at that master's vegetables and we never made out uh, that um, the uh, other vegetables were any higher than the teacher's because that would engender maybe a crossness for the day and a different approach and a different outlook. So we always aim to please the teacher, of course. So we always erred very much on the, on the uh, low side, I can tell you. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Do you have any special spiritual experience in nature that you'd like to share? Well, you think, I, I think of Wordsworth always with the spiritual, you know, and how... He's one of my, he's certainly someone uh, introduced me to the, a different aspect of nature in secondary school. We studied Wordsworth big time and I immediately uh, gelled with him. I, uh, I mean, I just thought he was, this man was, was, he just had it. He saw what none of us else did. And I remember reading that lovely line he had, I felt a, presence that disturbs me uh, with the joy of elevated uh, thoughts, a sense sublime of something far more deeply interfused, like the dwelling in the light of setting suns and the round oceans and the uh, living air and the blue sky and in the mind of man. When I remember seeing that the first time, lines written above Tinter Nabby, I just said, wow, that." He has, he has seen beyond uh, the barriers, hasn't he? He has seen above. And yes, I have too at times. I remember in the COVID, one May morning, I got up early and I've created, I got rid of my lawns here in the house. I don't have a lawn anymore. And uh, just, I have a little green patch, all right, but you can call it a lawn. So I created a woodland area. But I went out early, got up early, at, I suppose about four and I sat on a log and I watched the sun coming up on the horizon and 
heard the birds sound just gently rising and rising and rising. And I felt totally enveloped by the whole thing and totally embraced by it. I completely and utterly forgot where I was. And I just became so absorbed in it. I felt a, a real presence there, a powerful order. I, I kind of, it's hard to believe, but I felt that before man came in, before the car started and uh, the noise started, this is the wonderful world here that we were, we, we could experience. And you don't see it often unless you do something like that or go out at night and look at the stars and the quietness. And we have seen them better, haven't we, as, uh, uh, during the COVID. Yes, I have, um, I have sunrises. I, I think woods, woods and sunrises. That's where I get the experience. There is a wood down near me called Moor Abbey Wood. And a great friend of mine, a nature friend of mine died. But when she, before she died, she uh, had her husband bring her down there to the wood to see the bluebells. And she felt, she felt great just sitting there on a bench uh, looking at bluebells. And I've gone in there myself and sat and, you know, you, you kind of feel a, a presence there in that, in that wood as well. It's, it's, it's a beautiful wood in Kildare, Morabi wood. Um, and sometimes it can be very quiet without dogs or humans or anyone like that. And you just felt that you're in the palm of a hand of some greater living, uh, greater being of some sort, which I can't describe, but you do feel, uh, yes, it is there. Oh, that's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Going back to the mundane now, uh, is there anything you can suggest for people to help nature? Some little thing you would like people to do? A very simple one is uh, would to avoid throwing casual litter out windows of cars. And I, I'd love if somebody in the and Department of the Environment or Heritage, I want this, would, would just spend some of the money on, on TV and radio ads, just about the casual throwing out of uh, cups and uh, uh, bottles and out the windows of cars. Just the road beside me, I counted one day about 80 metres, I counted two or 300 pieces of litter just in the drain and ditches along. It's horrible. That's one thing. There should be uh, more awareness made of litter. I suppose um, pollination, pollination friendly planting in, in gardens that should be encouraged. I'm a great believer of lawn to leaf, changing lawns into leaves or trees. Lawn to leaf project, call it that. <laughs> Grow your own. Uh, great for uh, adults and for children and great way to connect them. Uh, to the land and the, reduce the food miles, uh, planting native trees and shrubs, and of course, educating our children about nature, which I don't think we're doing very well. Uh, yes, fabulous. And you have mentioned some books, which I will put in the show notes as well. Is there a favourite or most inspiring book you'd like to mention? Uh, well, I suppose the, the one that comes to mind straight off is, is learning by nature. It's learning... Uh, learning by learn, looking at nature by Elsie Proctor. It's the one that I had when I was a young teacher. 
and uh, I just found it a brilliant book, but it's out of print. Um, I also, Wildflowers of Offaly by John Feehan is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book altogether. Um, Gardener's World by Jeff Hamilton, The Last Child in the Woods by uh, uh, Richard Louvre, and uh, Wordsworth's Poetry, and a, a series, a, a magazine series which I bought in the 80s and 90s called The Living Countryside. It started off in the 1980s uh, in England, and I have all the all the copies. It is just an amazing uh, fount of knowledge, uh, the living countryside, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Perhaps you could put a few bits from that in your blog. Um, if people can't get access to that, there might be some nice excerpts or something. Yes, it's, uh, they probably can't get it. Uh, but yeah, my, quite a lot of the blogs anyway, I would look in that for background information. If I and enough information from my school. <laughs> when I think of it, I've I've, uh, I've never done a, a course on nature in my life, and I've uh, it or, or I've never done a degree on nature in my life or degree. My degrees was in local history, but I suppose I've done research on the state and status of nature awareness appreciation and education of nature in primary schools, but I've never actually gone to college and studied botany or biology, ever. Well, I'll grant you an honorary nature degree right now. <laughs> I'm honoured to accept it from you, honoured. Um, if you had a magic wand, what would you do for the planet today? Ah, the planet, uh, change the mindset of government, isn't it what you'd want to do? of governments everywhere, that they bring nature central to their planning. And just, we start off with, with Ireland, that they would, um, that they would see that it's so important to make, bring nature back into the curriculum, the plan. For example, the, the, the uh, government policy, even though we have a green uh, party in government at the moment, I don't see anything being done for, education in nature um, much. Uh, I would think just, just to, to really uh, bring nature education back central into the curriculum. That would be my, my and gardening into schools meaningfully, not just um, this quantitative stuff where they say so many children, thousand children took part in some uh, project which they had like incredible edibles or something like that that's fine but it's not going to teach children gardening one activity that they do in the primary school maybe in third class that's that's not it it has to be cumulative learning it has to be embedded into curriculum and also like some the, the department of education they really are it should step up to the mark and on school grounds and make them nature friendly. I mean, it wouldn't need even a magic wand. All it needs is someone with a pen to sign and the policy and say all, all schools in Ireland, both secondary and primary, should be green schools. They should have trees, native trees in them, uh, school gardens, pond, uh, wherever possible. And, and certainly new schools being built, it should be part, but it's a part of the policy that green schools, gardens, etc., ponds, hedgerows, uh, 
butterfly habitats and all, they should all be incorporated into the planning. But no, it's up to the principal, I think, at the moment. There's no policy. There's no policy in Ireland on outdoor learning either, believe it or not. None. Yeah, well, that's a lovely idea to put out there, and we'll keep pushing for that yeah. idea. Do you want to tell us uh, about your website and how people can get in touch with you if you want them to, <laughs> and if they want to? I, I was, I, it's, you go through life and you're, you're lucky at times. You meet someone who just is the right person at the right time. And I met this local man, Des Murta, who is an IT specialist and has a passion for education. And he said, you know, Paddy, we could do something together. And we had a cup of coffee. And I said, yes, well, what about this? So we got funding to start up the website. And last uh, year, just before the COVID, on the, and we have been uh, working since on it. And we've been giving online courses around the country on gardening and nature. And we hope to uh, roll out one on, on gardening shortly if we get the funding, gardening from February to December in the school, gardening and biodiversity in the schools. We're hoping to get that uh, off the ground. So uh, definitely that. Uh, so what we have on it at the moment, we have lots of little videos on things you can do with children and yourself on garden activities. And we have um, a weekly blog and we have uh, wildflowers for every month that you can and see taken by a wonderful photographer called Eamon Omoriku. And we're populating it bit by bit uh, with, uh, with stuff. And yeah, we're, it, it's, it is our showpiece anyway. So please go in www.engagewithnature.ie. Excellent. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. And I really wish I was taught gardening at school because I can see I'm such a failure now. I'm learning and I love it. But if I had only had a foundation in it, it would have just come so much easier. That's all you need is just to start. Uh, luckily, my mother was a good gardener, my father as well. So I got the gardening from them. Uh, but yeah, it's all you need is someone to start. And you know, all a school needs, they don't need raised beds or that. Um, window boxes are wonderful for gardening, window box gardening in primary schools. Uh, you can do so much on window boxes and a few uh, plastic bags. Really, you can grow everything. Well, I think we'll leave it at that because that's a lovely image and idea to leave it on. And thank you so much for coming on, Paddy. You're so inspirational. Um, a really authentic a lover of nature and a voice for the wood life as well. <laughs> so thank you so, so much. Thanks again, Mary, for inviting me on and the best of luck. You're so welcome. Thank you for listening to Nature Magic. Please subscribe to the podcast to help with our reach and give us a rating. Each month in 2021, we're running a draw. And the prize this month is a selection of beautiful Irish gifts from the Burren Nature Sanctuary gift shop, including a stunning original Burren Flower Fairies print by local artist Susan Meany. To be in the draw, simply review the podcast and send a screenshot to mary at burrennaturesanctuary.ie. The email address is in the show notes. 
We hope you have a happy and healthy 2021.